Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst all the other Cultaholic lads are getting over from hangovers and minus-figured bank accounts after a trip to Las Vegas, we are here in 1993 via our Ica Pro-powered DeLorean chronologically critiquing... Thank you, OSW Review. Love you, Jay Hunter. The early years of Monday Night Raw. And who be we? I be fake Geordie and radio presenter Jonah Hill. And I am joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage. The man who, if he was to enter a prize draw to win a lifetime supply of pencils... From the highest authority in pencil making. And if he was to win said prize draw, he would hold all those pencils aloft. He would snap them all at the same time, throw them back at the person what gave him them, and replace it with a solid gold Parker pen. He doesn't need a pencil. He's the head pen that gets it right every time. Justin Henry from off of America. How you doing there, super bad? So I am doing brilliant. I had no idea until I started doing the Cultaholic News that I'm Jonah Hill. So that's good. Yeah, it's always weird when you find out from other people who they think you look like. Like <laughs> one time, 15 years ago, I walked into a video game store and someone asked if I was Anthony Michael Hall. Wow. Did you say yes? <laughs> I certainly did. Excellent. And then you proceeded to do the greatest impression of him because you're king of impressions. Actually, I have no idea what he sounds like. <laughs> so well, you could have done. You... I, I couldn't conjure up off, off top. What is true, though, is there there is an actor named Justin Henry, who was a child actor in the late seventies. He was in uh, Sixteen Candles. He was in Kramer versus Kramer. And in tw- my senior year of high school, my health teacher put on Kramer versus Kramer in the classroom. I know about the actor. So he shows me my the credits, and everybody turns and looks at me, and I said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that was me. All along. I'm, just, I'm just playing it cool. Even though uh, I came out four years before I was born, I had him convinced for half the movie that the little blonde-haired kid was, in fact, me. Mate, mate we own an Pro-powered DeLorean. Time doesn't matter to us. Yeah, I didn't have that in 2002. Well, actually, I can still alter history, can't I? Absolutely. Yeah, of course you can. Well, I don't think your should... name's Justin Henry. I think your name is... Danny DeVito. <laughs> no, I'm too tall for that. That's very true. Um, <laughs> can I take a moment just to say thank you for all the nice tweets and messages uh, that I've had uh, over the last couple of days whilst I was 
uh, in for the normal cultaholic lads. Genuine, generally, the YouTube comment section is is a, a short bus to hell, but it's actually been lovely, and I'm very grateful. <laughs> so thank you very much. You just conjured up one hell of an image there. John? No, don't worry about that one, John. That's fine. No, no. no. Don't, don't do draw that. that. Don't draw John. that. Uh, so thank you for all the lovely comments. Thank you to Cultaholic Lads uh, for, for going away and giving me the opportunity to, to get amongst it. And thank you, Justin. I don't know if I've said this publicly enough, because genuinely, about a year ago, Justin Henry, head pen of Cultaholic, plucked me out of obscurity to have a oh. chat with him about old wrestling. So it's all thanks to you. And I want it to be on record that you're the best around. Tom, you're always one of the most talented people I've known. It's just a matter of having this avenue for with Cultaholic for you to you know, be a part of the family, do this show with us, and you know, just a matter of time before you know your talent proved itself, and the right people put you in position to show off that talent. And here we are. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm hoping for though? At some point. What is that? Um, uh, a star cast that maybe me and you do Cultaholic Classic Raw review live. I'm just pitching that now. I'm just pitching that now. I actually would not mind doing that at all, as long as I got a chance to meet Tom McGee. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> that would be the only reason we'd ever do it. Bucket list item crossed off. <laughs> so, we are back via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean in 1993. No, 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 no. no, no. I, don't, I don't want to go back just yet. I want to stay oh. in 2019 and talk about a great show from this weekend. Oh, yes, of course. I also enjoyed Progress Wrestling 1988. It was an excellent show. No, no, I was talking about the... Um episode of game show bloopers i watched on youtube <laughs> that was also excellent yeah i haven't seen richard dawson in years man <laughs> and there was a show in vegas or something yeah something like double or nothing i think it was called uh actually it was i can't speak for you but i, th- I think you enjoyed the show a lot i know i certainly enjoyed the show a lot i really enjoyed it i thought it was an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. I think not just the product, which was strong, but just mm-hmm. to be in this world again, where we seem to be on the precipice of the, of, of a, an alternative rising up. And, and it's not going to mm-hmm. be the Monday night wars because the world is very different. Now we consume things very differently to how we did in the nineties, but it's still nice to have another company making such immediate headway because it means it's good for everybody. Everybody means they can get a go. And Double or Nothing was an amazing, uh, amazing uh, jump, jumping off point. What a night. Best match of the night for you, Justin. Cody and Dustin. Same. I know it's, 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 not, it's not right for people to, on a, on a show, uh, have the same opinions, but absolutely agree. Everything was great. <laughs> Cody and Dustin, for me, was the show stealer. Yeah, I was expecting a pretty good match because I figured both guys had something to prove. And they want to make this match count, especially since it was uh, removed from WrestleMania 31 four years ago. And they overachieved. It sounds condescending to say that because, you know, there are two guys who have taken more bumps than I've taken in my entire life. But it's uh, they absolutely overachieved. And I was completely enthralled by that match. It was so many different styles mixed into one. The sports entertainment, multiple kickouts of the modern age, uh, just a pure raw emotion, blood like an old NWA-style match. It was... Everything was there, and plus JR calling it made it even better. I thought JR was in good voice on the night as well. But once he got going, he was mm-hmm. great. I will say that, though, even though 
it's getting you know near universal. I want to say near universal praise, but it's getting a lot of praise and people saying that you know best event ever. If I really really wanted to nitpick, I could point out little things about the show like oh this didn't quite work, like the librarian segment, um, some some commentary clunkiness, some production clunkiness, but the show was not perfect, but it was as perfect as it needed to be. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's an it's it's an amazing point to 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 kickstart what is going to be an exciting new era in wrestling. Absolutely. But and then... uh, I want to point out one more thing, an interesting parallel here with uh, John Moxley and Scott Hall. Scott Hall's last televised match in WWE as Razor Ramon was in April of '96 against Vader at In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies. He showed up in WCW on Memorial Day weekend of that year. Dean Ambrose, last televised match in WWE, was at Network Special, The Shield's final chapter, in in, uh, in mid-April. Shows up in, in AEW, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, obviously the parallels of through the crowd, no music. Wearing a vest with no shirt. Vest with no shirt. I love the, as he made his way out, because Chris Jericho was talking, and they we hadn't yet acknowledged that he was on the way. Mm-hmm. And you saw a couple of people turn their heads, then a few more, then a few more, and then this roar started, this roar got louder, and then you cut to Dean Ambrose walking down the stairs, and everybody <laughs> loses their mind. It was, uh, it, it was a moment, to say the very least, something that was indelibly planted into our minds in a positive way. But... I- I, I give you my story of that moment from the party I was at. There was four of us watching. It was myself. It was two Laps fans, my older brother and friend that's his age, and a guy who's getting back into wrestling slowly but surely. So I kind of had to be the leader in explaining things during the show, and even then I didn't know everything because a lot of these guys are still new to me also. So, you know, if, if something kind of weird or offbeat happens, I, I get six eyes turning to me to, for an explanation. And when the librarian thing happened, I wanted to just walk out in the traffic. Like, why are they shushing? <sighs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, they were thrilled for the most part. They love Cody Dustin. They love the Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. They love that opening six-man tag with SCU versus uh, the contingent from o- OWE. And they were mostly on the Jericho Omega, although we, uh, the steam was kind of running out on us because we're all old men at this point. <laughs> But when Mox came out, I marked out, and my friend Blake marked out. Like, Mox! And my, and my brother goes, who? I said, Dan Ambrose! He goes, oh, he looks different. <laughs> Re- really undercut the importance of the moment there. Oh, he looks different. <laughs> Didn't he John pictures- Moxley look happy to be there? He was very animated, and and the promo that came out from AEW's account earlier this morning, we're recording this on a Monday Memorial Day. Uh, he was supercharged, like he could not be happier to be doing something that he has say in. He, he's not getting injection injections into his ass cheeks. He's not talking about how, how bad the city smells. He gets to be Mox again. And he gets to be John Moxley, not Dean Ambrose. No, no more believing in the Shield. You believe in John Moxley unscripted violence. I am so excited to see what he will do as part of this paradigm shift, as he put it, 
in wrestling. Oh, it was great. It was a good night. Great night to be a wrestling fan. If if he's Scott Hall, who would be your Kevin Nash? Oh, okay. Well, Roman Reigns, obviously. (laughs) Could you imagine? I got a a big surprise for you. Out comes Roman. Um, What if the shield all just go over there? No, no, that'd be silly. Let's not make that a thing. But in terms of like a high profile (laughs) exit. um... It has to be someone somewhat tall. Somebody, does it have, are we burying this somewhat in realism? So it's somebody who's kind of got one foot out the door already. I was going to say Harper. I was going to say Luke Harper. Yeah, Luke Harper. <laughs> Imagine him doing the Nash promo with his eyes bugged. Oh, yeah, Moxley... look at the adjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play. <laughs> Moxley and Harper have got great history. They've had some absolute barnstormers. They had a match where JBL had his greatest line on commentary ever. That was the one where they went, where Harper tried to escape in the car and Ambrose jumped in and they drove off into the night and they came back like a half hour later to continue fighting. And <laughs> JBL and JBL does deadpans. When they left, Harper was driving. <laughs> so what in the hell could have happened in the interim thirty minutes? <laughs> they stopped and had a burger and then swapped drivers. <laughs> what, what appears so. <laughs> so anyway, enough of. A weekend of near unanimous excitement and fun. Let's go to a show that uh, <laughs> was 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 quite a mixed bag and kind of ran the gamut of good stuff and bad stuff. And and ending that, I will bet anything made you tear up a little bit. Do you know what? Got a little bit of emotion at the end of this one. I remember seeing it years ago. Um, watching it again this time round, I think I was able to really drink in the the true emotion of what <clears> happened <throat> at the end. As we said, farewell to Bobby the Brain Heenan. This is Bobby Heenan's Mm. last night on Monday Night Raw. Indeed, his last night in the WWF until 2001. Mm -hmm. And they gave him a a very Bobby Heenan-like send-off, but there is, even though he's a comedy character who's who's often the the butt of the joke, the guy who gets his in the end for being a a douchey villain in character, uh, there is a nice little tender moment at the very end that was very uncharacteristic of Bobby the Brain, and knowing, this, knowing that he was on his way out, especially now in hindsight, it's uh, it, it, it is a bit heartstring tugging. It is very much so. We asked on the official Cultaholic fan page um, for some of your favorite memories of Bobby the Brain Heenan. So I thought, since since Bobby's on the way out, let's look back. So thank you for these uh, from the Cultaholic from the Cultaholic Facebook page. Um, yeah. Just a few off that uh, that have caught my eye. Uh, lots of people have said uh, the Royal Rumble 1992. Uh, Frank Boris obviously says says commentary for the 92 Rumble uh, where he absolutely loses it at the end when Flair wins it. Also when Flair comes out at number three and he shouts "Damn it!" which was a wonderful <laughs> moment. And the whole he's not it's, this isn't fair to Flair spiel throughout the entire ordeal. <laughs> if my life was at stake and someone had a gun to my head and said you will only live. If, if you can recite word for word 10 funny things that Bobby Heenan said in the 92 Rumble match, I would smile because I know I'm going to survive. I quote, I quote that match more than any other, and it's an absolute gem. Uh, Brian Evanson on the Facebook page also discusses his post-match interview at WrestleMania 6, 
when he was flustered over the colossal connection, losing the tag team titles and Andre turning on him. If you listen to me, you go to the top. If you don't listen to me, you're never heard from again. And he really goes to town on him. I do remember this one. I remember also, uh, Brian points this out, Heenan's Hall of Fame speech, uh, specifically mm-hmm. the part where he accidentally says WWF and goes on a mm-hmm. rant about animals and wrestling. <laughs> that, that, that was tremendous. And Mania 6 reminds me, Bobby Heenan might be the only person to ever drop an F-bomb on both WWE and WWE programming. Really? Yes, he probably is, isn't he? Because Mania 6, when, right before he slaps Andre, he yells, I'm the effing boss, very clearly, not even muted on the network. And uh, and it was Clash of the Champions early 96 when Brian Pillman grabbed him in a bit of improvisation. Heenan thought it was some fan trying to get him. He goes, no, the effort you're doing. Yeah, and he walks and off up the ramp, doesn't he? Because he's uh, he's ge- you can see he's genuinely flustered by it. Not just that, but he thought he was going to lose his job. Like like, oh, that's it for me. I'm done. <laughs> but then it was. I think Bischoff said it was no problem because you know Pillman was unpredictable. He was nuts. No one knew what he was doing. He didn't thought he was being attacked. He had a bad neck. He didn't know what to think. Here's a good line. Uh, Damien Stone has suggested. I forgot all about this. Uh, as real Americans playing, Bobby Heenan says, "You know, Gorilla, this is my second favorite song <laughs> because all the other ones are tied for first. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you can't take Big Boss and his mom fishing because she'll eat all the bait." <laughs> um, N- Nicole Cordova. Hello, you. Not not so much a a particular quote, but. Commentary during Flair Savage at WrestleMania 8. I think that gets overlooked because everybody thinks of the Flair Heenan double act as like from Rumble 92. They don't give so mm-hmm. much props for WrestleMania 8. He was particularly excellent there as well. Yeah, it was a very it was a very heated matchup. Heenan's all in on Flair retaining the belt and humiliating Savage. and you know Because he wanted to see the center full of photos of Liz that, that Flair reportedly had. and uh, even, even though I was eight years old, I still wanted to see him. She also says uh, Bobby Heenan in drag trying to get into Raw's first show is a particular highlight. Bobby the Brain Heenan has absolutely no qualms about making himself look daft. Absolutely. He, he was always – he was the ultimate I'll do anything for the company guy as long as the company worth doing something for. See WCW from 1994 onward. <laughs> but thank you for sharing some of your favorite Bobby Heenan memories. Um, is there any, any other ones that spring to mind with you, Justin? Well, well, I think old R.D. Reynolds would be very remiss if uh, if I didn't mention just his banter with Gorilla Monsoon on primetime wrestling back in the mid to late 80s. Especially the early years of Monsoon won't even try to keep a straight face. He would just crack him up so easily. There was one I was watching recently where it was before Mania 3, and he was just going on this rant about this, this off-camera producer. I had no idea who it was. I guess he just got married recently. He, he talked about how the guy was, was so flustered on his wedding night, he... he Hung his wife over the chair and took his pants to the bed, and Monsoon is just cracking up like face down on the desk. You hear the guy laughing off camera, he, but he doesn't even break stride. He he just keeps a straight face the whole time. Just a consummate comedy pro. There will never be anyone else like Bobby the Brain Heenan. So let us let us enjoy every single moment of our final Monday Night Raw, featuring the greatest <laughs> color commentator, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, Justin, where and when are we for such occasion this week? This is a tape show. It is Monday, December 6, 1993, taped one week earlier. We are still at the Westchester County Civic Center in White Plains, New York, a building that I like a lot, as I noted on last week's show. It is a Actually, lovely we... building. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Raw to come from here more often. <laughs> 
It might a few more times over the years. And as I mentioned last week, uh, ECW did have some tapings here in the late 90s when they were on TNN. I do like the orange uh, banner that goes – or the orange rail that goes around uh, beneath the balcony, or, or I should say it's part of the balcony. It is kind of a neat aesthetic for a smaller building. Uh, we start with highlights of the click going at it last week. The Razor Diesel match that degenerated into Sean trying to pile drive him under the belt and then Kid flying in out of nowhere. This week it's Shawn Michaels versus the 123 Kid. And Sean promises in, in a pre match promo, which we need more of these, by the way, the Kid's short lived career comes to an abrupt end tonight. Yeah, Sean was great in this little burst in this. Um, video that was clearly shot in the same place those rambly Lex Luger vignettes were shot. <laughs> Who is Shawn Michaels? <laughs> well, I, um, I, uh, I wasn't a big fan of wrestling. Um, <laughs> quiet, Lex! You're ruining everything! <laughs> Where's Shawn making fun of Lex? Yeah, I hurt my arm in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> and in order to save my arm, they had to remove all the charisma from me. <laughs> They had to drain me of charisma. It's the only way that kept me alive. And they replaced it with, I don't know, glucose. <laughs> Thankfully, there was a tree stump that had an organ donor card, so I got his charisma. <coughs> Sorry, I just coughed up some more of Lex Luger's charisma there. I apologize. <laughs> and as great as that Sean promo is, and as awesome as this, Sean versus Kid match sounds. We also have the raw debut of Dig the Clown. Oh yeah, that's the thing happening later, isn't it? That's that's excellent. If Saturday night was the Alpha versus the Omega, this is something else that depicts opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> uh, more on that in a bit. Um, Monday Night Raw. We are here. Raw stands for really awesome wrestling, apparently. Isn't that like an actual promotion name called R.A.W. Like, like these days? I, I would hope it would be. I'd hope, and I hope the acronym would be either really awesome wrestling or really average wrestling. <laughs> really antiquated wrestling. <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's like wrestling from the seventies, and everybody's just doing like a headlock for half an hour. I'm down with that. <laughs> you won't be when Doink does it later. <laughs> I'm all for wrestles that don't involve Excalibur yelling the name of the move. <laughs> Excalibur was good, but except for any screaming move names. Meltzer Driver. I think that I quite I didn't mind him too much when he when he did it every so often, but I think it was for every move. I think it wore thin. I got what he was going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sort he, of that New Japan aesthetic. I I got what he was going for. He has a good storytelling voice, but God damn it, you're not Rob Halford. Stop that. <laughs> so, um, Shawn Michaels versus the one, two, three kid. We're getting our main event in the opening match. Uh, yes. Uh, Bobby Heenan notes that Razor beat 19 of the top superstars to becoming our Kyle champion. And <laughs> where to begin with that one? Let's, um, John, uh, Gon- yeah, John was- Gonzalez, <laughs> MVP. Uh, help me out here. Uh, Mabel. IRS. Well, I was Mo in the match on. as well? Uh, no, because it was only top superstars. <laughs> well, it was quite the killer's row in that battle royal. Mantar? Not, not yet. We're not there yet. Was Mantar? Not... Made... Booger then was Booger in yeah, it? Yes, Booger was in it. Um, Booger was in it. I mean, it had some stars like Savage and Bam Bam, and well, it had the Quebecers. 
who are awesome on the show, but we'll get to that. We get this random shot of Sean posing while smiling during kids' music. Like, kids making his entrance, and they just show Sean on their ropes. And just like, let's see. He had a week to, you know, edit the show, but whatever. I, I, I don't think... I think what they do is, I think they edit this show live. And it's like, however they do it, it's done. It's almost like they're spinning a wheel, like, okay, use that shot. It's very Dolly-esque. We get some crazy wrestlings in this match with Kid hitting a springboard plancha. Sean catches him in a power slam on the floor off the apron. I mean, they're just trying to kill each other during this match. And Vince is really putting this over. Like, Vince, you know, a kid does the dive over the rope, and Vince is like, I've never seen that before! Well, you're trying to emphasize, you know, just how great this match really is, and these two are, they're going all out. But one guy who was not impressed, I don't know if you saw this, there's an older gentleman in the front row in a yellow shirt whose arms are folded, I think, for the duration of this show. You know, he, he's expecting to see, like, you know, Stanislaus Zabisco versus... Uh, you know, Joe Stecker or something. <laughs> and I much appreciate this flippity-floppity stuff. And he's just... I didn't spot this guy, and that's a shame, because I quite like finding people in the crowd who look like they're having the worst time. My good lady, <laughs> Alex, she's really good at spotting um, fans in the crowd who look like they're having the worst time. And they're normally near the front. And you go, why are you at the front? <laughs> he's very easy to spot. He's right down in the front row, this bright banana yellow shirt. All he's, miss- all he's missing was like a stogie that said like, you know, 1904 World's Fair on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, brought the grandkids, you know, they enjoy it, but uh, this ain't my thing. I'd rather be you know, home making some cold cuts or something. I want him to kick back at some point, then maybe get a newspaper out. <laughs> yeah, pull up the racing form. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we get this classic Shawn Michaels sell job or bump where he, where kid sends him into the post. And Sean has to hit the post, and he almost misses it. So he makes sure to clothesline the post so that he hooks it, and then he does like a mid-air cartwheel and falls to the floor. As, as, as Cole would say, vintage Sean. I'm surprised he didn't get hurt clotheslining the turnbuckle. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure he was feeling it within a few hours after the adrenaline wore off. We- we get the classic drop kick to counter a top rope crossbody spot. That was incredible. Perfect timing on that as well. It was tremendous. And we get this one weird moment where Kid and Sean are both down. Kid, Kid's shoulders are down, but he kind of lays his wrist across Sean's nipple. And that's enough for a pinfall attempt, even though Kid's down also. He's crying foul about this. The referee's counting. Vince goes, that's okay. It was official enough. <laughs> That should be a drop forever, that soundbite. It's official enough. Who was Vince to say, oh, you're right, he owns this thing? Who who knew that you could apparently, and I learned this in this match, you could apparently get DQ'd for lifting a guy off the mat and breaking the pin? I've actually seen that before. What, somebody get DQ'd for it? I could be... I could be wrong here, but I know it has happened in WWE. I think it was when Ronnie Garvin was a referee in the late 80s. That, that brief period where his career ended, so he became a referee and started screwing with like Greg Valentine and Dino Bravo and them. And I think Valentine was doing it to a job, or Bravo was doing it. Did it three times, and Garvin disqualified him. Oh, that sounds like it was a storyline thing. So maybe but, it was like a throwback to that. I think it's like an unsportsmanlike thing where the guy's like, you know, severely injured and the referee, the referee just says, you know what, 
you're going to be a dick and not pin the guy, then you lose. Screw it. I've never seen it since. I, I want to look up Ronnie yeah, Garvin doing it, but um, I, I didn't know that until Vince said it. So the ref yeah, is very the, lenient. The very rarely enforced rule. It's like one of those like you know silly laws that you know uh, that you can't believe are real. Like you know you can't you know chase squirrels on Monday or whatever in the state of state of Idaho. It turns out oh it's an actual law. How about that? I'm sure there's somewhere in Wales where you can stand on a on a hilltop and and kill somebody with a bow and arrow and it's legal. Well, I mean, that's Wales. <laughs> hey, I've... hey, I'm half Welsh. Stand down. I mean, I mean, uh, go for it. I'm not precious. Go for... <laughs> I'm praising you. I'm praising your right to bear arms. My right arrows. to bear arms. <laughs> that's another rule. Right to bear arms. You're allowed to own bear arms. Uh, arms no. of bears. I was about to say B-A-R-E. That's neat. You can wear like a muscle <laughs> yeah, shirt wherever you go. You're allowed to wear a muscle fit shirt. <laughs> right to bare arms, baby. Gun show. Oh my god. Next time is next time I wear a t shirt. <laughs> Kill the old gun the old earthquake gun show. Right to bare arms, baby. <laughs> We're really underselling this this wonderful match here. Do you know what? This is the sort of inane banter that we say for a really bad de- enhancement match. This is Same. actually really good. Yeah, save for two matches from now. Yeah, oh, oh, crumbs. Yes. Uh, so, but no, this is great. Short on one, two, three, kid. So, Kit misses a senton bomb, and we go to the, sen- the second commercial break in this match. I say, no, this is an epic. We come back, Kid's still dead. It's been four minutes in alleged real time here. Sean pulls Kid up and gives him the razor's edge. He pulls him up on two. It's a decent razor's edge. He hits a second one. Doesn't want the pin. Gonna go for a third one before Razor Ramon and his awesome shirt make the save. It's a quality shirt, that is some good some good cotton on Razor Ramon this week. Proper like <laughs> proper like uh, Cuban gangster <laughs> gear. It's it's like he was trying to do a paint by numbers but then passed out and fell asleep and just never finished it and said, you know what, it's done. <laughs> it's official enough. That's good enough, man. <laughs> so he comes down, he pulls kid out of the third razor's edge attempt. Sean and Razor are having to stare down on the floor near about about to come to blows. This little kid grabs Razor's arm and Razor has to force pull himself away during this <laughs> tense moment. I was hoping he'd just swing the kid round into Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Hold on, boy! Hold it's on, when, bang! It's my, it's my new offensive weapon. Just clatters in with a fan. <laughs> it would have added something to the show. It would have been amazing. Razor chases Sean around the ring up, up the aisle way. Sean conveniently falls down in front of the entranceway. Razor raises a, a, a um, closing in on him. Sean goes through the curtain. Razor grabs him. You see Diesel's hand come out and punch Razor right in the jaw. So Sean suckers him into this. It was, it was almost like he knew that if he just keeps hitting the kid with the Razor's edge, that he was going to draw Razor out there. It's it, wrestling fan, plans like this always seem so convoluted when you lay them out. Like it all worked perfectly. What do you mean? What was your plan then, Sean? Well, I was going to keep hitting the Razor's Edge till Razor Ramon came out, and then I was going to run away from him, and then Diesel was going to be in the exact place I was going to run away from him to. <laughs> As it turns out, Razor is taking a crap. So Sean, had, <laughs> so Sean had to start by hitting 17 straight Razor's Edges. As it turned out, Razor Ramon wasn't bothered about Sean using the Razor's Edge. <laughs> so the whole of Raw is Sean Michaels just doing the Razor's Edge on the 1-2-3 kid. <laughs> Hey, why's Kid Lane like that, man? Oh, that's rigor mortis. You should have come in earlier. <laughs> I'm not bothered, man. He can do whatever move he wants. 
So Sean tears Razor's awesome shirt, which is a no-no. That's like like calling his mother a whore. Yeah, he rips that shirt to pieces. That made me very sad. That's a nice shirt. Lovely shirt. So Sean then pulls Razor up and hits. Now, I understand why this looked the way it did. Because Razor's a very large man, about 290 pounds in kayfabe. Sean's about 230. Sean manages to hoist Razor up for the Razor's Edge. But they're by the entranceway, so this is not really the best surface to do it on. This is a floor with like, like a, a thin rug over top of it. Sean drops to his knees, then completes the Razor's Edge. It's like a three-part move. Hoist up, drop to knees, then do like a glorified backslide. It just looked pointless, with the greatest of respects. I think because as soon as you drop to your knees on it, you lose all that momentum from the move. You ever play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Oh, How, yes. Like, when Bald Bull or Piston Honda or whoever throws a puncher's like three frames of animation, that's what this looked like. <laughs> that's it's a like, good shout, to be fair. Bonk. 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 Because literally, there's like three frames of animation. Sean holding Razor, Razor up like, 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 like some sort of trophy animal he's killed. Sean falling to his knees. Sean hitting a backslide. Oh, it's the Razor's Edge. Uh, kind of. It's something that vaguely resembles the Razor's Edge. And then for some reason, the cameraman decided that this would be a good time to zoom in on the symbolic toothpick. Now, I was con- confused by this. Why they zoomed in so intently on this toothpick? Because normally you do a zoom like that because that what they're zooming in on is a major part of what just transpired, be it a smoking gun, not the tag team, the actual smoking gun. Like all a, a weapon that was used. The zoom in on the toothpick was very peculiar. You would have think that WrestleMania 10's ladder match would have ended with both men on top of the ladder and Razor jamming it into Sean's eye, then pushing him off. Yeah, because they obviously set up here the toothpick is of some significance. Yeah, that's uh, just a random thing to zoom in on. Sean hits another three-frame Razor's Edge on the floor before Pat Patterson and his Indiana Jones jacket break it up. <laughs> Indiana Jones in the Temple of Booking Doom. <laughs> I but, quite enjoy the uh, the agents running out here and sort of standing around him like he's a, a Bengal tiger. You realize one day on AEW we're going to see Dean Malenko, Billy Gunn, and Jerry Lynn breaking up a fight? Oh, wow, we are, aren't we? I can't wait. Oh, my life. And then Jerry Lynn grabs somebody and hits the cradle pile driver just for fun. The new effort show. <laughs> Isn't it weird that we live in that time now? Because in my head, they're still wrestlers, but they're not. They're agents now. Well, Billy Gunn's both. He does a bit of both, doesn't he? He dabbles. <laughs> I think the best for that today in either company is Adam Pierce because he actually acts like he cares. Yeah, Adam Pierce is one of my favorites. He's the most animated agent hitting the ring you'll ever see. He's the antithesis of Chief J. Strongbow. And I think also because. And 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 I don't, and I'm not doing a disservice to Adam Pierce, but because the casual audience isn't aware of him, Adam Pierce the wrestler, it's mm-hmm. not as jarring when he comes to ringside to to, to kick off to, to break stuff up. When Jamie Noble's out there, you're going, "Oh, it's Jamie Noble." Jamie, I got Noble. <laughs> if I got Jamie Noble, so when you, like, as you say, when Dean Malenko, Billy Gunn, and Jerry Lynn are all trying to stop MJF. 
attacking <laughs> Jungle Boy, it's going to be a weird time to be alive. It was always jargon like, you know, Finley would have run in because that's like, oh, that's why the fight stopped because no one wanted to fight Finley. Did enjoy uh, the Royal Rumble when it was Finley, the road agent that allowed Becky Lynch to enter the Rumble. Irish bias. It's like, yeah, proper Irish bias. <laughs> the fix was in the whole time. <laughs> it was me all along. Finley should have entered himself in one. <laughs> Imagine what a twist that would have been. Becky comes down and goes, there's an entry free in the match. There's someone needs to be... And Finley goes, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's a slot that needs to be filled. My name is Finley, and I love to fight. Out he goes. This sister Finlandia. <laughs> Finley versus Ronda Rousey, WrestleMania. I don't, know I, I, I don't know who I would bet on in that fight. <laughs> yeah, Ronda's having him. <laughs> So, so Sean Kidd was a very fun match with a pretty good post match, despite us joking about the wonky razor's edges from Sean. It was what it was, though. Yeah, we got a nice build there. Now, now we're what we're seeing now. Uh, we don't know this yet, but this show very much is setting up WrestleMania. Yes, because Razor has one guy he's going to face in between them now and now and Sean and Mania. But there's three spoiled. matches that are that are the seeds are planted at this show. Indeed, he do. Next match: Quebecers versus Mike Walsh and Bert Santino. And these might be the two most mismatched jobbers I've ever seen in my entire life. What an odd bunch. Bert I... Santino. I'm sorry. You want... go ahead. Now, what? What? Tell me about Bert Santino because I've got a few notes on Bert Santino as well. Bert Santino, if I had to estimate, is probably about five foot six. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's quite short, which, which Jacques is sure to point out several times. Mike Walsh looks like basically if you deflated Tom McGee and took away his tan <laughs> and two years from now, he will give me part of raw infamy when somebody de- has their debut against him and it's not a good debut. So, That's sure. actually not a bad description of Mike Walsh to be fair. Um, <laughs> I thought Burson Cena did look like a bollard. Just like some... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you saying he looks like, like like one of those stumps you find out in the parking lot? Yes. Like a... Okay, fair enough. And Mike, Mike Walsh, sort of like floppy hair, uh, pants, and and regular trunks. He kind of looked like an Amdram version of Matt Riddle. <laughs> well, we were doing the punch-out thing. Right? He looks like Glass Joe, but with redder hair. Amazing. Do you know that um, Bert Santino is a trainer from Puerto Rico? Well, he really? was. Um, I, I was doing a bit of digging around on him, and I went. I found myself on Cage Match. And you know how sometimes on Cage Match, they've got people have logged on and given comments. It's like, it's like if the if the YouTube comment section was was its own was its own city. The cage match comments are like a trailer park in the city. Because oh, yes. it's, it's for people who aren't commenting on YouTube, but they're finding another platform to, to just to speak their mouth off. And there's two comments on Bert Centino. Um, oh, both, both made like within days of each other. And they couldn't be more polar opposite. So the first one from Indie Watcher who says about Bert Santino, uh, trained Dave Cole, John Brooks, Spider, 
Genesis, and a lot more I forget. He was in WWE for years. Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer for sure. Best trainer. Okay. Okay. The Flying Donkey. <laughs> I bet the Flying Donkey is not nice. <laughs> well, you know, you're not far off. Te- trained terrible, terrible wrestlers. <laughs> His wrestling skills aren't very good. And he could not work a microphone, which is the most important aspect in big companies. And then, in block capitals, he stinks. <laughs> you know what we need to do? I, I just had a thought because you were absolutely right about cage match comment sections being uh, the dregs of society. Every week, we need to just pick a random great wrestler and find some comment where somebody gave them a 0.0 and just read it out loud. Yes. We are going to yeah. do cage match 0.0s. It is one thing to say to someone like Bret Hart, like, I don't think he had great charisma. He was maybe a bit overrated. That's your opinion. You're like, he was garbage. I, I think he showed disrespect by not drying his hair. I give him a 0.0. It's like, you know, it just... <laughs> I don't know. I have um, I've immediately jumped onto cage match. And I'm going to cycle through the... Very quickly, and I bet you within ten seconds. Yes, <laughs> All right, I found a, I found a one out of ten for Bret Hart. Okay. Um. Okay, from ST twelve ninety nine. The one wrestler who I unfortunately will never be able to enjoy wrestling. Any old event I watch that he is on gets automatically fast-forwarded to the next match. <gasps> He's good, <laughs> but he isn't really the best. Not even close. Owen was a ten times better competitor than Brett. I think this is pretty much public knowledge. <laughs> He's he's good, but he's only one good. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay. One okay. more, May one more, one? one more, and I okay. promise that I'll go. Okay, uh, Beerus, zero out of ten for Bret Hart. Annoying, arrogant, stupid, obnoxious, narcissist, bitter, vile, and overall extremely unpleasant person who somehow gets a pass due to his past misfortunes. <laughs> Fact is, he was always a douche and deserves to be reviled for his moronic rants on other wrestlers on his stupid talk shows, where he comes off as a whiny, jealous, petty prick. (laughs) Looking back, he had great matches. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) You can't make this up. (laughs) Mr. Campbell, may I? Yes, please do. I'm going to go to Shawn Michaels now. Now, am I obligated to read the username because some people? I think I think the well the thing is the the person's put it out there. It's in the public forum, so well, it's just there's a word in the username that may bother some people. Oh, if if you feel okay. uneasy, then just skip it. I'll tell. You, I'll, I'll... His username is NJPWFAG. Okay. Okay. So maybe, so maybe he's favorite. New Japan Pro Wrestling, forward and gathered. That's fine. Fair enough. 0.0 for the Heartbreak Kid. And his, 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 his assessment is as follows. Shawn Michaels just doesn't do it for me. Nope, not at all. That's a whole other sentence. When I first saw him, 
I thought he had a cool look, and the whole Heartbreak Kid shtick still felt fresh. But as I watch more and more of his stuff, he does—he just doesn't impress me. On paper, the HPK gimmick is pretty great with the theme and entrance attires, but it really is pretty lame. So is it great or is it lame? <laughs> so basically, in- you like watching a man with floppy hair walk out in chaps to Sexy Boy, but the moment he starts doing anything other than that, you switch off. <laughs> his in-ring work is also dull. He reminds me of Adam Cole in that sense. Oh. His matches do not really appeal to me, and he has to get his shtick in every single time. That's called sports entertainment, dummy. Out of his three biggest ambassadors of WWE and Triple H, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, he is easily the least impressive of the three. <laughs> Zero I out of ten. I'd rather just read these rather than review Raw, quite honestly. I Okay, right. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ne- we'll do this from now on. I think when we find, I think this is fun with enhancement guys. I think, but then we'll look for other people too. If you find any amazing zero out of 10 reviews on cage match for big name wrestlers. <laughs> I do love zero with zero out of 10. Like he had great matches. There was no doubt, but his boots were stupid. Zero out of zero. <laughs> I am happy. Uh, Adam Petiti. I am happy to do this as a YouTube series. <laughs> if you can fly out Justin to sit next to me whilst I do it. Well, they have, you know, celebrities read mean tweets. Why don't we, why don't we have wrestlers read bad cage match descriptions of themselves? <laughs> I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> we should have one wrestler there like a what am I saying? Yeah, I agree with you while he's you know, fingering the money. So Quebecers okay, versus so... Santano. <laughs> we got to go back um, to Bert and Mike. Yeah, this back to stupid reality. Anyway, Raven is wearing a derby and has a lawn chair and a Palm Beach Polo magazine. And he's going to read this magazine during the match. Uh, we get some basic spots in here. Uh, you know, leapfrog, monkey flip. Uh, it, it, it's just very basic stuff. It's, it's all just a backdrop for Vince pointing out that Randy Savage is in the UK. And he, he may be calling in later on the show in order to talk about Crush. This is basically just just a basic tag team squash match. 
Centeno and Walsh get destroyed. Uh, there is a wonky spot where the Quebecers send Centeno into the ropes for a double Irish whip. He completely trips and falls right into the ropes. <laughs> it just blows everything, but they worked it into the match. They did yeah. actually balance it very well, I thought. Jacques did what you're supposed to do in that point and just point at the guy and laugh. Which, which, I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? It's like if someone's trying for a hurricane run on you and they whiff completely and fall on their face, why is the other guy you know trying to compensate? Just come and go, ha, ha, look at him. Yeah, you play up like you're stupid for missing that move. Yeah, you know, you work it in somehow. You, you, you try to weave it into the tapestry that is the match. So anyway, Centeno gets pile-driven, and then the Le Tower de Quebec, or Le Quebec or whatever, I don't speak French, uh, finishes the match. Le Tower de Quebec is French for the Tower of Quebec. Um, well, that, <laughs> You're welcome. You know, well, I mean, Mike Tenet wants to point out the L Dandy is Spanish for the Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tenet's a very smart man. That might be the smartest thing he's ever said. He's right, you know. I mean, you can't fault him. He is spot on. It is factual. Uh, Walsh gets dumped to the outside of the match. And then just for fun, they put Centeno in, in Raven's lawn chair and then, and then clothesline him out of it in a great moment. I quite like that bit. I thought it was a bit, bit unusual, but it was good fun. I think the Quebecers would have thrived in like the social media age with this gimmick. Just doing goofy stuff. They would have had some fun by, by constantly reminding people they're not the Mounties. Yes. And if, if I had the mishmash errors, I would want to see the Quebecers and Johnny Polo versus the New Day. Oh, wow. That would be a thing. Just put Jacques and... I'll put Pierre and Biggie in the ring together and just see what happens. I think you do it now if you wanted to. Just be brutal. What if pancakes are the kryptonite of the French Frankenstein? <laughs> so what? As soon as he... I mean, to, to eat them or to... um. To just be have them thrown at him. Maybe just eating them. Maybe maybe you start throwing them out, out of desperation. They start biting into them, and then he starts breaking down. It looks like he's like, he's like downloaded the virus or something, and and he starts this like you know system failure. He starts spewing out motor oil or something, and oh my god, he's fading. <laughs> and then we get an ad for the Royal Rumble. Here's the thing about the Royal Rumble, right? Uh, mm. This isn't a problem that we've got in 2019 in the WWE. Um, are there even 30 guys on the roster at this point? Hmm, that's a damn good question. Because <laughs> I, I, I thought you could probably, I could think of about 20, and then maybe you could fly in some guys from another territory, but you're really struggling to get 30. Okay, well, hang on, hang on. Without knowing the roster for the Rumble, without even using that... Let me go back to Survivor Series, and I'll take Yoko and Undertaker out, since they're facing off in the world title match at the Rumble. Spoiler. And I'll see who was on that show that could possibly be in this match. Like, Luger, Tatanka, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, uh, Borga, both Quebecers, Crush. All right, that's eight so far. Mm -hmm. Brett and Owen make ten. I'll leave the other hearts out of it. I'm counting Shaw on my fingers as we speak. So am I. <laughs> Sean's 11. I'll, I'll leave the Knights out. Although one did appear in the Rumble, actually. So Sean makes, Sean makes 11. Uh, Mental Emission, tw or 13. Bushwhackers, 15. Bigelow, Booger, Hedge, and both Hedgehoggers make 19. Okay, we're getting closer. 
Razor 20, Savage 21, Genetti 22, Kid 23, Bomb 24, IRS 25, Martel 26, Diesel 27, Heavenly Bodies 29, Rock and Roll Express 31. Wow, but you have, but that's, that is the whole roster. <laughs> what a Bob Backlund smoking guns. Oh, back, oh, they could have a match. <laughs> they could have a singles match. Sure. Barkman versus Bob Backlund in the Brawl for Roll. Okay, well, that's, that's, you know what? Okay, I take it back. They they can do a Royal Rumble, but just about. But you will see some names in that match that I did not say. Cause oh, there's, excellent. Because there's going to be a litany of injuries between now and January 22nd. And <laughs> they did the best they could. They did the absolute best they could. If there was ever anything to sum up pay-per-views from this era, it's they did the best they could. Sometimes that's a good thing. Other times it's, well, it's it's clear they were handicapped there. Wait till we get the King of the Ring and get to hear our Donovan on commentary. Oh, how much does this guy weigh? That'll be the only commentary where we don't talk. <laughs> I just rewatched recently the Owen winning the tournament over Razor because because with Owen's, the anniversary of Owen's passing recently, I just wanted to watch that match. In the post match, when uh, they showed Monsoon, Randy Savage, and Art Donovan at the table, <laughs> and it was after Nightheart had helped Owen win, and you know, Monsoon and Savage are trying to prove other disgust, like uh, like 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 what a sickening display they they choose to win the tournament. Art goes. Did you, did you guys act like that in your day in the ring? Monsoon completely ignores Art and talks only to Savage. That was the point where he had enough of him, wasn't it? He was acknowledging that a noise hadn't even been uttered at that point. <laughs> he was going to pretend that that stuff did not even happen, that Art is not occupying a chair next to Randy Savage. <laughs> if, if you people out there hate Renee Young or Jonathan Coachman or Byron Saxon or whoever, do yourself a favor. A few months ahead of us, watch King of the Ring '94 on the network. You will you will hug Coach and Renee, and you will tell them you love them afterwards. I promise you. I promise you. They will feel like the ultimate palate cleanser. <laughs> Art Donovan makes Renee Young look like Mauro Ranallo. Wow, that is and quite Ren the phrase, and it's and it's alarmingly <laughs> true. And Renee's not even bad. It's just she, she just reduced the catchphrases based on the how they do commentary on the main roster, but that's that's a whole other issue. So we get to zoom in on the sign. It says, PJ loves the WWF's role action. <laughs> so, I, who's PJ? I assume PJ Walker, just incredible. He just, he, just, he just wanted to make sure that a friend of his had a sign that said that he was a fan of the WWF action. Yes, that's how I got his job at winning the sign-making contest. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when Homer made that pot... Oh, that model power plan when uh, Frank Grimes tricked him into doing the contest. And that's how he, like, you win first prize, and Frank Grimes is confused. Frank Grimes is trying to get Justin Credible in trouble. That's what happened. Is that what it is? Yes. Right, okay. Like, I, I, I could be a world champion because I'm Frank Grimes, and Frank dies. <laughs> and, and, and by sheer coincidence, the Frank Grimes looks like Lance Storm, so that's how the Impact players were formed. And now you know the rest of the story. And that's the and that is the history of all wrestling. <laughs> so was, so we go from that beautiful sign, which almost made sense, to an interview with Owen Hart, who was wearing Bret Hart shades because apparently he's reading a cue card or he's nervous, one or the other. Uh, Vincent Hina doing the split screen interview. 
Owen called Brett winning the Best Wrestler of the Year award a big surprise. He stopped just sort of saying because I thought Vince was going to rig the vote so that Luger won. Because yeah, because we all expected <laughs> Luger to win, including Vince McMahon. <laughs> then Owen says he has a big surprise. Vince doesn't ask what this big surprise is. He just thanks him and cuts him off. Yeah, he just. I would have really gone to town and gone, "Oh, what's this big surprise?" Then, but I think as we, I think we would all find out that that surprise would be something very special because what we see here is the embryotic stages of the greatest run that Owen Hart would ever have. Oh, absolutely. But it was just jarring that he's like, I got a big surprise. Thanks for joining us, Owen. He was a bit ummy and ari as well, wasn't he? It very much felt like a heart promo. Yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't quite you know, the, the fire and the intensity we would see in this feud later on. Well, it's not even a feud yet. We're just seeing the uh, early stages of the angst from Owen and the apprehension from Brett. and Well, it'll all play itself out. But that was it. That was the segment. <laughs> it's it. It will get better. I I didn't think this was particularly great, but it's Owen Hart, so it gets a pass, and it's going to lead to great things. Speaking of the of great things, here's the antithesis. Oh my gosh, this Doink the Clown versus poor Tony DeVito. <laughs> I wrote, kill me now. Bobby Heenan, who had been on form all night, like dropped his one big flub of the night on the way as Doink and Dink were on their way to the ring. So Doink was pushing Dink in a child's little stroller, stroller, pram, pram over there. type thing. And Bobby mm-hmm. Heenan said, if they get the Hubble telescope fixed, you'll be able to look down and Doink will be the size of Dink or Dink the size of Doink. Who cares? <laughs> and he was had a foot out the door anyway. He was he was giving a swing and a miss. Very rash should, swing and a miss from Bobby Eden. I should point out that through the night they've been playing up the whole you said some bad stuff about Gorilla Monsoon. He's like, ah, he's in New Jersey. He can't get to me. Yeah, they actually and they did that last week as as well. So this is a couple of weeks of build to Hey, Gorilla's not gonna like what you're saying. Eh, it don't matter, he's not here. All the times that Bobby Heenan ribbed on Gorilla and now now Gorilla takes exception. Something's happened. Yeah, now he's woken up to it. Yeah, monsoon snapped at the guy in Amityville Horror. So... John, John, <laughs> I want Gorilla Monsoon Amityville Horror. <laughs> That's just give him the headline. Just give John the headline. Yeah. He's, he's Gorilla the Monsoon, the... the Amityville Horror. <laughs> he's got the one shaky eye. Will you stop? And puts the axe through the guy. <laughs> We've given John a bit of a relaxed uh, show this week. It was his birthday the other day. Yeah, that's true. The legendary John Eiley turned 21. So happy birthday to John Eiley. And as a birthday present from us, you've got just the one Photoshop so far this week. Actually, I'm modified for the birthday boy. Um, Forget Amityville Horror. Give me... No country for lack of kayfabe. Give me oh, monsoon ooh. as Javier Bardem. There you go. I like that one, actually. That one's nice. I just, I just want to see monsoon on the flannel shirt looking scary. I like that more than I like what's about to happen on Monday Night Raw. Like this. <laughs> this now, Justin, there has to this... be some kind of story behind why this match was so bad. And so long. Yeah. Have I missed a meeting somewhere? Mm, 
I'm just filling time. I, I don't know. Maybe the... okay. Well, well, uh, uh, if you're if you're gonna if you are you googling this because while you're if you are, I will. I'm normally we don't go blow for blow in each of these matches, but I'm happy to in this because I want oh God. you listening to appreciate how diabolical this was. Doink the clown who is now babyface uh, with Dink at ringside versus Tony DeVito for what felt like 30 minutes. We had Doink get Tony DeVito into like a full Nelson lock on the ground and hold him there for ages until Tony managed to make the ropes or break the holes. And then Doink would get up and then Tony would get up and then Doink would take him down and do the same thing again. At one point, at one point, Doink gave Tony a German suplex. So we thought it was livening up and then he went straight back into a headlock and put him in a headlock for ages. While all this is happening... We have Dink on the apron going back and forth, blowing a horn, pulling faces at the camera. We're like stuck in a time warp. In re- This is the true the true power of the Ica Pro Power DeLorean. This felt like this just never ended. Like we were like stuck we were... on loop. It felt like the front tire was stuck in a pothole and we couldn't get it out. It was, oh gosh. So, And it's just one of those matches where we've seen Doink do great things on Monday Night Raw. Like he's got a real strong understanding of how to to work a crowd and to bring a match to life. We've seen him do it with all kind of opponents. So this was bizarre because there was no real pandering to the crowd. There was no exciting offense. It was just front Nelsons and headlocks, and then the whoopee well, cushion he... off the top rope. Well, here's your problem. This isn't Matt Bourne. Ah, now we understand a bit more. I was reading Scott Keep's review of this show before, while I was going along here, just because you know, I enjoyed some of his snarky comments. He doesn't think this was Ray Leachelli, who was the primary doink going forward, but I don't think it was Brawler, because Brawler, I, don't, I can't imagine doing that kind of German suplex. I don't think it was Steve Kern. If it's not Ray Leachelli, I have no idea who the hell this was. It's just some guy in an outfit. So yeah, this apparently... wasn't even our regular doink or one of our routine doinks. It could have been Leachelli. It might not have been Leachelli. That's. I'm gonna lean toward it. Probably was him. But what we got was like the most milk toast of matches. Other than Vince is laughing at Dink and his little bike horn bouncing on the ropes. Going, I mean, there's just so many rest holders, like a long ass chicken wing. At one point, we do get. An update on Razor Ramon's condition. Vince informs us, and I'm quoting here, that Razor Ramon is in adequate condition. <laughs> adequate. Would you put that on something you were selling on eBay? Um, if it was if it was ruined beyond repair, I would certainly <laughs> list it as adequate condition to get it sold. <laughs> Action figure, missing arm, genital area mutilated, good as new. <laughs> adequate condition in Ziploc bag it's, it's as good as being mint on card <laughs> so Vince has this <laughs> at this point I stopped paying attention to the match because Vince ends up carrying the match in his own unique Vincean fashion first he awkwardly shoehorns his Johnny Carson quote into the show <laughs> for no reason because it's just like you know <laughs> we're topical pal then he loudly yells at Heenan for wanting to hurt Dink the Clown. 
Then he, even louder, promotes the Star Wars trilogy airing on USA. This is like, it's, it's like a pull-string doll version of Vince. It's, it's just, it's phrase soup at this point. Isn't it bizarre how, I think maybe because he knew this match was so bad, he obviously had sort of plugs for other things to get in during the show. He thought, look, this is an awful match. I'm just going to get all these plugs out of the way now and they're done. He could have just not aired it and put in like, I don't know, like a snuff film or something. That would have been far better. (laughs) This was death. This was librarian's bed. Except this was longer. This would this just felt like it went on forever. It really did. But the fact that it's not it's not our normal Matt Bourne, our lovable, delightful Matt Bourne, that probably explains a lot. This is somebody else in the outfit who does not have the capabilities of Matt Bourne. I haven't done the math, but I'm willing to bet that we watched over 150 matches as part of the show, counting pay-per-views. And, and I will go as far as to say that with the possible exception of the four joints match of Survivor Series, this is the worst match we've seen so far. Yes. I think even though the Doinks Survivor Series match was bad, there was still a modicum of entertainment that came from how bad it was. It was but, lively. Yes, it was lively. There was there was some energy, some enthusiasm about how bad it was. But this is dreadful. This might be the worst wrestling match I've ever seen. It's like one of the things you just throw on the air because you have two or an hour or two hours or whatever to fill. It's just like, alright, we, we, we need content. Uh, go out there and and put the guy in some sort of Saskatchewan spinning nerve hold. So then we come to an even more bizarre segment. Jeff Jarrett is still trolling around through Nashville, and he's got with him some guy in a derby and suspenders who I think might be Ralphus's dad. <laughs> you tell him, Double J. I don't know who the hell this guy is. Oh, I was hoping you'd be able to tell me. I don't know. I've got no answers. It's who different to the guy, guy who was there last week, isn't it? Yeah, they could. last week was um, Burt Prentice playing Buddy Lee's cousin, R.D. Lee, or R.P. Lee, whatever his name was. And this guy is just... <laughs> Picture of Ralphus was like a, like an older chauffeur or something that wears a derby. From like, like my, it's like the 30s. That's what this guy was. So they're touring around at some museum, Hall of Fame type place, and they run into this man who is named, and I'm not making this up, Waldo the Country Saxon. <laughs> Who looks like Teddy Long when Teddy Long had hair? He's playing a saxophone for, for money on, you know, outside of a building. And he, he's pretty good at what he does. But is this, what is this? Jarrett tells the guy, you know, it's like, I didn't get my break. And apparently, you, know, you ain't got yours either. That's right, Double J. Well, hey, here's a dollar. Never forget where this dollar came from. Because when I'm a big star, you'll be opening for me. What is this even? I tell you what this is. This is Jeff Jarrett being a better babyface than Doink the Clown was five minutes ago. <laughs> You're not wrong. Because it, and Vince McMahon really gives out about it, and Vince says, "I can't believe he gave that guy just a dollar. How cheap is that? He gave him a dollar and and promised him a gig. Like, <laughs> good guy, Jeff. It's a good point, Vince. Maybe we should have given him insurance. <laughs> oh." <laughs> Hey-oh! <laughs> A-E-Dub! A-E-Dub! <laughs> it's going to turn into A-E-Dub podcast before I, I reckon, and we haven't seen Raw yet. <laughs> we haven't seen Raw yet. And by the time this goes out, Raw has happened. So it all looks silly. 
about 37 AE dub chance. In Kansas City, it's quite possible. AE dub, AE dub. So we get this video package narrated by Todd Penton, you doing the job that he does best in the company. Hyping up the Savage Crush feud, the summit where Crush betrayed him. Savage getting suspended for jumping him when he was just an announcer. So much bad blood here. Well, next week, Randy Savage is going to be here to wrestle Fatu. <laughs> that was, that finished me off, that did. This whole build, like, Savage has been suspended, furthermore. Blah, blah, blah. But next week, Savage is back. Like, yes! To fight Fatu. What? <laughs> no! I want to fight Crush. <laughs> it's like you're having the best birthday party ever before you blow up. Before we blow the cans out, someone hits you with a tire iron. <laughs> that is exactly... No, better yet. Better yet. You're in the best birthday party ever. And just as you're about to blow out the candles, someone tells you you're facing far too. <laughs> he can blow out the candles. <laughs> this was, I just found the emphasis on... And there's nothing, nothing particularly against far too. Like, far too's, you know, it's uh, Rikishi, you know, great performer. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. more the emphasis they put on against Fatu, who who has no ties to this story at all, and it's it's just it's just been like, hey, Savage is back in action next week. They could have said Savage versus Sting, and it's like, okay, what does Sting have to do with Crush? Exactly. I think the fact they emphasized Fatu made it daft. If they should have just said Randy Savage is back in the ring next week, that would have been fine. Yeah. Imagine the Austin Rock My Way video, and right when you hit you, Fred Fred Durst's last note. This is like Steve Austin versus Steve Blackman. <laughs> the biggest match of Steve Austin's lifetime will be when he faces The Rock. But not this week. He's facing Steve Blackman. I need to win this match with a weapon more than life itself. And I don't know why I sound like Jodie Foster there, but okay. <laughs> Go on now. We'll take Steve care Austin of will now be played by Jodie Foster. <laughs> I know what Meg said. I'm not, I'm not going to that scene. With Rock as Hannibal. Like that. Crush versus the awesome hair of Tony Roy. Tony Roy. Tony Roy. It is it is Crush's power mullet versus Tony Roy's uh, puffed out Richard Simmons special. And Bobby Heenan gets one of the most tasteless lines in the history of professional oh, wrestling. Which go on. Go on. I, I, I admittedly guffawed because it was so bad. He tells us that Bobby Heenan, or Mr. Fuji, Celebrates the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> which, which the anniversary would have been the following day. F- 52 years at that point, I believe. But he plays off like, what? That's just what he told me. Well, maybe that's Fuji's greatest rib ever. Oh, jeez. So during this match, which is basically just Crush beating Tony Roy for a while. Although, before we get to that, I say there was one great spot where Tony Roy managed to do strike Crush coming off the ropes. And he does the best jobber thing ever, which is you hit an offensive move, and then you act stunned for a minute, like, oh my god, I did something right. And you're too excited to even go in and try to follow up, because like, oh my god, I hit the guy. Because you're so shocked by doing something right that you can't capitalize on the attack. And you temporarily celebrate due to the ecstasy, and then, and then you get knocked on your ass immediately afterwards. So then Randy Savage calls him to the show at 3 o'clock in the morning. Because he's, he's over in Bournemouth, England. He is indeed. Um, he was on the WWF International Tour, and they were at the International Centre in Bournemouth. Would you like to know the card for that night? Because I have I'll, it in front you, of me. I'll tell you what. Tell me who won the match, and I'll try to guess who lost the match. Okay, okay. 
Um, just, just for a little funnier. So if I just say the name of the winner, you have to tell me who his opponent was that he beat. Yes. Okay. Um, Adam Bomb. Beat the one, two, three kid. No, he beat Virgil. So Close already enough. this show is off to a barnstormer in Bournemouth. Well, the, they're both NWO members. The Smoking Guns. If you get this, I'll be very impressed. The Smoking Guns. Well done. No, they defeated the Black Knight and the Red Knight. Wow. So the, the Knights are, have been wheeled out there to Bournemouth to make up the numbers. Oh, <laughs> right. Tatonka. Now, you you did that with a little bit of hesitation there. Like, oh, my God. Um, I'm going to say Ludwig. Diesel. <laughs> What could that have looked like in 1993? <laughs> count out. It's got to be a count out. It's got to be a count out or a DQ. That's Bournemouth. Who else going to remember it? Nothing to Bournemouth. Uh, the one, two, three kid. Rick Martell. Yes. Wow. Spot on. Huh. What a great guess. Hold well on, mate. <laughs> uh, Razor Ramon. IRS. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, that's sensible. He's, he's kind of feuding with me, though. He's feuding with Sean also. Randy Savage. I'm going to laugh if it's Crush. Savage, it's not Crush. It was Shawn Michaels. That would be a match. I Bournemouth got Randy Savage versus Shawn Michaels. You know what would have been great? If Savage said, yeah, I got this done beating Shawn Michaels here in Bournemouth. But wait, <laughs> Shawn wrestled earlier in the night. And you're not meant to be wrestling. Oh, uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, finally, in the main event, uh, The Undertaker. Yoko. Yeah, he beat Yoko by DQ for the WWF title. Obviously, didn't win it because it was DQ. <laughs> Pretty good show out. for Bournemouth in 1993. Yeah, I mean, given well, you know how late the roster was, I mean, he had some the nights over there. It was probably like, it's probably Gill and Hardy or just two local workers or whatever. I've seen worse, like WWF slash WWE shows they've put out. Wait till we get to like 1994 and I can tell you about all, all the sea shows that took place in like Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> I am excited about them. Because there are some doozies. So Randy Savage has just finished entertaining Bournemouth with a match against Shawn Michaels. Bournemouth, you don't know how good you've got it. And he's on the phone to Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. And boy, does he sound tired. You mean Vince McMahon and Bobby the Brain Heenan? What did I say? Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh my God, didn't I? Wow, that's 1998 giving us a quick call. Uh, I, yes, Vincent I, Man and Bobby Eden. I'd have been happy if you said Jim Ross and Excalibur. Jim <laughs> Excalibur's <laughs> on the phone just shouting the moves. Dial turn! <laughs> so, so Heenan accuses Savage of being scared of Crush, and Savage gives his rebuttal, which I'm sure was a great rebuttal, but here's the problem. This phone cut cut in and out more. God, I don't know how to describe it. It just you heard half of what Savage said, and the it other was half a you, really choppy connection. Just kept fading in and out. It was it's like our podcast sometimes when there's when there's three of us on. And yeah, yeah. It felt like a cultaholic classic watch along. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Campbell, I I don't. Sean Michaels. Problem is, I don't know if this is just him putting this on or whether we are having technical problems. 
the treasure is buried at. <laughs> My dying words are. Um, my favorite wrestler is Chris Ben. Oh, my favorite wrestler is Chris uh, Bendito as well. Culture, anyway. <laughs> are we all just dropping that name in this week? I feel like we all are. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that was, that's what it was like. It was just, I get that you're kind of live. And the and the you have like one shot if it doesn't work then you know, it's it's on its way to Pluto after that. <laughs> that was uh, that was but not good. But then surely and... in this surely even then you could you could fake it a bit. Mm, I guess you could. It's a tape anyway, show. But the thing is, you know, they're doing the commentary relatively. Yeah, that's the, the commentary true. are relatively live. That's true. So the savage had to be informed of that night for the. You know, I mean, obviously there was a transmission issue with the call. And Crush finishes Tony Roy off with a really cool move. It's a press slam hot shot where he pulls him, raises him as high as he can off the ground and just drops him across the top rope throat first, a call back to how he hurt Savage on the guardrail. It's actually a cooler move than the Cranium Crunch, I think. As they were talking to Savage on the phone, um, Vince says, well, I don't know whether you probably don't know this, but uh, we're currently uh, watching a Crush match in progress as we speak. And Savage goes, oh, really? And I was so hoping that Randy Savage was going to jump through the phone <laughs> and Teleporting. jump into the ring. I think it's a crush match in progress. Like he's, he's wrestling Flash Morgan Webster right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did do a show based in 1988, so that's perfectly, th- perfectly feasible. They went back in time. I don't know what that means. I don't know what progress means. <laughs> Neither does Vince. Oh, hey, oh, hey, you dumb. Hey, you dumb. <laughs> this is be a theme. <laughs> so, so after Crush uh, destroys uh, Buff, Buff Richard Simmons here, McMahon says that Monsoon has made a local call because he's in the area. Spooky. Ben Heenan's very upset by this. And he does not throw the idea that Monsoon could be hanging around. He's in the gorilla position. You saw him when he came out, didn't you? It's called the gorilla position. <laughs> and then we come to a new camp ad for the unbelievable campaign that I remembered and was waiting for to come back. We get this you know, pseudo-cool guy in a Penn State hat. And he's talking tough. He's talking crap about Razor, Sean, and Yoko. He's got the little promos on him. Every time he says something, he gets his ass beat. They should, they should black white footage of him getting beaten up in this empty, in this empty arena. And it's a very so he ends up with black eyes, and by the end he's on crutches. He's got all bandaged up. He goes, "Was it something I said?" That was Unbelievable! Kind of I like yeah. It's that I it does play on the whole thing of people go, "Oh, they're wrestlers. They can't be. They can't be that tough, really." So they mm. kind of play on that belief that wrestlers aren't legitimately that tough, and I quite like that. <laughs> So, Tom, are you saying that the commercial with the 500-pound man sitting on a guy's chest was more enjoyable to you than the one of the hot housewife in the nightgown laying in bed? Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just, both aren't, both are difficult to masturbate to. Um, Not impossible, but difficult. 
I mean, it depends who you are. I mean, you know, who are we to judge them for everybody else? Everybody has different tastes. <laughs> Not my proudest wank. Anyway. <laughs> I would say the best part of the, the best part of the ad actually was at the very end after the unbelievable that dun dun dun. Here's a guy go. Ugh, yeah. In the background. <laughs> he makes like that a made it. big old groan at the end. Ugh, like he's with the world on his shoulders. <laughs> like, like like he's saying as we discussed. So then we come to our denouement here. Oh. We hype up. We hype up next week Undertaker interview, Adam Bomb will be action, as well as Smoking Guns. And we have the static shot of, Mon- of McMahon and Heenan at ringside, and now Monsoon's hitting the ring, sadly no theme music. What would, what would Monsoon's music have been if he had something, like something by Sinatra? I like to think that if... Well, it would surely start with like the sound of like a gorilla. Like a sound bite of a gorilla, and it would, or be like, would it be like, like, like jungle music, like, like a bit like the start of this serves down with the sickness, like, <laughs> but instead of, it, it goes, will you stop? Or just give him Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult. That would be amazing. I'd like that. I'd like him to have, yeah, something really heavy. There's low bass beats like the stomp to it. That fits Monsoon. <laughs> so anyway, he hits the ring and Bobby Heenan's eyes bug out like Ralph Furley from uh, Mr. Furley from uh, Three's Company. That was uh, that the reveal when he realized he was walking towards him. His face was a picture. <laughs> it, was, it was very Shemp Howard. Monsoon walks over to where Heenan is. Says he's got good news and bad news. The good news is Bobby's won a free trip. The bad news is, he's out of here. <laughs> I couldn't Monty... quite hear what Gorilla was saying, which was the only sad part about this bit. Was that it would have right. been lost on the live crowd. Uh, yeah, but I think it, you know it's very physical. What you're seeing happen is Monson grabs Heenan forcibly by the back of his neck, drags him out of the chair, and is walking him backstage. He is pleading for everything. Monson just keeps forcing him along. And I realize, God, the backstage area is like really dark and empty. It's like a stage in like a Ninja Turtles video game. It had been cleared out by that point, hadn't it? It was very quiet. Yeah, yeah. everyone's on their way to the Superstars taping, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're, they're all in Bournemouth. <laughs> oh, there is that too. Monsoon kicks the door open, which I thought was awesome. Oh, Monsoon just looked like a beast. You forget with his with his very uncleish tone and his friendly demeanor, the Gorilla Monsoon is a big scary man who who could tear you apart. That's why he's Gorilla Monster, and he used to, he used to face Bill Watts and Bruno Sammartino. He's a monster. So he kicks the door open. He's, he's got Bobby Heenan's belongings, his bags there. Pushes Heenan out into the night, throws his bags at him. We find out through Heenan's very stumbling comically that he's stolen plasticware. He's stolen toilet paper. <laughs> he's just he's just slubbing around, pleading like like don't 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 throw me out. He's falling on deaf ears. Monster shuts the door behind him. He was just staggering, and then in a, in a very almost sweet moment, he I believe with genuine tears in his eyes salutes the building, and that's how they fade out. That was the bit that broke me was that just as you say all that flopping around and and all this, and he just stops, and you just see him well up, and oh, it just this Bobby leaving 
was it was it was a sign of the times. It was the end of an era, and it, it, I think, as we said, as much as we love Bobby Heenan, it was he's 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 incredible, but it didn't fit quite right in the direction they're going. And that's and and that's me as a Bobby Heenan fan saying that. And sometimes, sometimes in a business, you you don't do anything wrong. And you graft and you're the right person, but the business changes. So you have mm-hmm. to accept that that you're not part of that plan anymore. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Heenan, I think, was in that situation. And it felt what felt so right about it all was that Bobby Heenan's final scene on WWF TV until 2001 was with Gorilla Monsoon. Well, of course, that was the... Uh the person he's most synonymous with, other than maybe Andre the Giant. Maybe, you know, Hulk Hogan throwing him around, but obviously neither were available. And his, his, his banter with Monsoon is what I'll remember the most. And he and he actually said in his book, in, in interviews years later, that when he got back to his hotel room that night, there was this uh, big bunch of bananas there waiting for him, which I think was his Monsoon ribbing him. And he invited Monsoon up to his room and said, you know, you know, come, you know, come eat these with me or whatever. And they just sat there and just, like, cried for, like, an hour. Yeah, they just they just sat with each other, didn't they, and just cried because they knew it was the end of an era. And they they probably knew they would not work again, work together again. Well, actually, there was one time after that that they crossed paths, and it just, it just it surfaced recently. Monsoon, I didn't know this until, like, maybe, like, the last month or so. He had a short-lived daytime talk show in the Baltimore area in 1994. Really? He went under the name Bob Morella. He had a female co-host name I can't remember. The show was called Bingo Break. It was like a it was like a very low rent talk show that had that had like a bingo theme to it. And one of his sidekicks was Sean Mooney. Blimey! This was not a good show, I should point out. And I love Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> but on April Fool's Day '94, Bobby Heenan, who is now with WCW, made a guest appearance on the show, and that was her last appearance on TV together. Oh wow! And that's now resurfaced. Yes, that whole episode's on whole episode's on YouTube, and it's not good. It's it's not good at all. It lasted like maybe three months. That show, but uh, yeah, it's called Bingo Break, and it's very bizarre. But I feel like it'd be good to watch it just to sort of. Uh yeah, actually, uh, WrestleCrap inducted it recently, the um, April Fool's episode with Bobby, and they point out like like yeah, this is the last time they were on TV together officially. Before Monty passed away five and a half years later, and he, of course, gave him that big send off on Nitro with tears in his eyes. And it's oh, uh, man. let me ask you this: Is it better to remember Monsoon and Hina as being best friends in real life, or as being, you know, not ever breaking kayfabe on camera with each other as nemeses? I love the fact that they were mates in real life. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's something about that that I'd rather remember. The fact that they were so comfortable with each other, and and that they had that kind of chemistry, they had you can't have that chemistry with somebody, and and hate each other in real life. Of course, because you don't because then the chemistry's gone because you have no intentions on making them shine or them look good. So there's no res- if there's no respect there, there's no chemistry there, and. Um, they, there was definite love and respect between them, and I think as the years afterwards would would show us that it was it ran so deep that thing about um, them them sitting together in the hotel and crying for hours afterwards. I truly believe it. I remember um, go back to the Hall of Fame speech. And I know 
it's been mentioned, it was mentioned earlier on about how amazing Bobby Heenan's Hall of Fame speech was. The bit I always remember is after holding his composure for the entire speech, he he just said, I wish Gorilla was here. Mm-hmm. And and he just went and then, and then we all did. And it's just, just oh gosh. It's just that love those two had for each other mm-hmm. came through the speakers even when they were ripping shreds off each other. I think he actually said it best one time when he was talking about why he and Monsoon were so effective together. Because because he, he needs someone to play off of who who can like keep him in line and intimidate him. That's why it didn't work for like Tony Schiavone or Lee Marshall or whoever. He didn't point him out by name. Monsoon could plausibly intimidate him. He's a he's a, he's a big guy who didn't take crap from anybody, but yet knew how to steer the ship. And when he got out of the line, Monsoon would always you know know what to say verbally in order to rein him back in in character. And that's why their chemistry was so impeccable. Because that's what he needed to feed off of, and no one did it better than Gorilla. And the fact that they were friends who knew, knew how to play off each other, that just made it even better. You have to have that friendship so you can have that chemistry. I do believe that. And, mm. and, uh, it, this, and this is it now. So now we're in this weird sort of post-Bobby Heenan world on commentary where we are going to run the gamut of voices on this show now. <laughs> Woo! Yep, up until about WrestleMania time, we're going to hear some different voices as Jerry Lawler's uh, legal situation plays out. And I, I will say it's, it's good that, you know, if, if, if it is true that the accuser made everything up, that, that he was everything ended the way that it did and he was able to come back because I don't know what they would have done for a heel commentator without Lawler. We're going to find out over the next over the next few months or so, and we're going to be grading everybody, as we discussed, on the Heenan Bartlett scale. Uh, yes, Bobby Heenan, of course, being a perfect 10, and Rob Bartlett being about a negative 6. So we're going to find somewhere, and we'll make a little graphic for this as well, so everybody that comes on through color commentary will be graded on the Heenan, the official Cultaholic Classic Raw Review Heenan Bartlett scale copyright Justin Henry Tom Campbell 2019. <laughs> At that point, I would have just given Jim Cornette whatever you wanted. Yeah, just name your price, mate. Just come and do what you do. But no, they don't. They'd rather just find different people. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate because we we have some people who are natural commentators to join events over the ensuing months. And we have some who are absolute clunkers. Bring on every single one of them. And between now and next week, if you go on to the Cage Match website and find any absolute barnstorming 0 out of 10 reviews of incredible wrestlers, please tweet them to either at JRH Writing or at Tom Campbell. We may be talking about them next week on the show. This, I feel like this is going to be a spin-off show. Let's call it people nailing it. People, <laughs> people ab- nailing it. People absolutely nailing it. Cage match crisis. Um, <laughs> we'll come up with something for it, but do send them across to us. He is uh, head pen occultaholic at JRH writing. What are you working on, Justin? Uh, news stories till Ross comes back. <laughs> are they back? Are they back? Well, it's Wednesday, isn't it? So they're mm. back now. They should. They should be at this point. I think they may still be mid-flight at this point. As we as we speak, so keep an eye on the stuff. Justin Henry working on loads of things for the website. He is at JRH writing, head pen. I am at Tom Campbell. Thank you for your love this week. 
on all the YouTube stuff. I appreciate you uh, pointing out the fact that I look like Jonah Hill and I have tiny hands. <laughs> Both really appreciated. Thanks. <laughs> And they've, nice things have been said too, but Jonah Hill yes. and Tiny Hands have, have stayed with me. How was Jonah Hill an insult? He was in Superbad. You're like Kip Sabian now. That's true. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. At JRH Writing, at Jonah Hill Superbad. See you next week. I love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.